Seven out of ten proctologists recommend listening to the Drew Marshall Show. What you want, baby? I got it. What you need? Till you know I got it. All I'm asking is for a little respect when you come home. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. I cannot wait to go through puberty. <laughs> Folks, you're listening to the Drew Marshall Show. We're streaming live at drewmarshall.ca. And we're live right here in southern Ontario on Joy 1250. You're listening to a little urethra. Tim, uh, how was your week? <laughs> we already talked about that. Oh, yeah, it, was, right. it, wasn't, it wasn't too great. But anyways, you know. Ends with you at a highlight, I guess. <laughs> Folks, it's time for the pub crawl, and that's where we crack open a few topics and then crawl from topic to topic. Today, there are three topics to crawl through, and we're going to do that with Jim Henderson, who's the man behind Once a Month Church, that's oamchurch.com, and David Hayward, who is the butt-naked pastor, nakedpastor.com. They're both very interesting chaps, and... Um, yeah, we've had the mon- yeah. yeah. I don't know why I said that. Yeah. We've had the, the both guy. <laughs> uh, we've had the both on the show before. Jim Henderson, Jim, are you there, buddy? I am. Jim, uh, I want to give credit to Jim where where credit is due, where Jim is due. Um, do you remember Tim when when I did the uh, five churches experiment? Yes. And I put an ad in the Toronto Star asking for an atheist, an agnostic, a pagan, someone with very little church background yes. to join me as we visited five of the more prominent churches in the GTA, yeah, different and you, types. and you claim this is your own brilliant idea. No, I didn't. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, and then we had we found Sabrina the Pagan yes. and uh, Taylor the Agnostic. Mm-hmm. And we went to also, we even, as a bonus chapter, we went to the Benny Hinn Crusade in Toronto, <laughs> where the security <laughs> guy came up to me and said, I was ra- making notes because they put me in the booster section, which was a foolish move. And I was sitting down making notes, and and Bubba from the, you know from the O line and the Dallas Cowboys came up, talked into his wrist. He was staring me down the whole time. He said, "What are you writing, dude?" I was fired up, man. I was so ticked off. I looked him dead in the face and said, "Nothing." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was a rambling thing to say. Jim Henderson was the guy who uh, got me thinking about that stuff because he bought an atheist soul on eBay. Oh. Yes. Jim, are you still known mostly for that? Yeah, I'm really famous for that, Drew. You know, it's really taking me to lots of different places in life. <laughs> but, uh, that's, that's the thing that people, if they know anything about me, that's usually the first thing that they hear. But or, or I can at least start a conversation saying I bought an atheist soul on eBay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. and I love I love the idea of Sabrina the Sabrina the, the pagan. You made that name up. No, it's it's real. Jim Henderson on the line. Also, David Hayward is here. He's known as the Naked Pastor and a very good friend of Mark Driscoll. David, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm doing well, thanks. Um, you've got to hey, get. Was that Hemant's soul that you bought on eBay, Jim? Of course. That was the only one ever sold and bought, I think, on eBay. Oh, okay. Okay. Do you guys mind? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Do you mind if I just have a little part in this conversation? Yeah, sure. Go ahead, Drew. Uh, these two guys, have, you've never spoken to each other. You've, you've Facebooked each other because that's how we communicate today, right? Right. Correct. All right. Well, I would like to introduce you formally to each other. David, this is Jim. Jim, this is David. Hi, Jim. Nice to meet you, David. Okay. Come <laughs> to see you. Okay, stop it now. Um, 
One of the reasons that David Hayward is is known throughout the world is because of um, of his cartoons. Are we allowed to say that? Are they no? Are they illustrations? What are they? Other cartoons. Yeah, they're cartoons for sure. You are so, you say so much in one cartoon that I don't know how you actually publish all these books with so many cartoons because you just you know one one cartoon for anybody that's been in the God scene long enough blows their brains apart because they laugh at it, they cry at it, they go, "Oh my goodness, that's so true," you know that kind of stuff, right? So or they sue for it. They, <laughs> they sue you. You've never been sued, have you? Threatened. Yeah, we won't talk about that today. No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of bully pastors, um, all right, guys, let's get into the first topic of discussion, which is spiritual leaders and why so many of them are bullies. First of all, I, I, I guess I need to recant a little bit. So many of them are not bullies, but I think in regards to what we expect from a from a spiritual leader, from a pastor, the quotient is way too high. Do you not think, Jim? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, it's gotten this way somehow as the church has gotten more consumeristic and more pressure is put on these guys to produce and uh, more in the entertainment business and all of that as that's gone on it's just pushed it's sort of like pushed them through the screen and the grid and outcome you know more bullies than we'd like to uh, to you know admit and so I mean yeah so it's definitely a, a thing that's going on and, pe- and and with the advocacy with the internet of course people can talk about it that's really one of the only differences you know, I think I just saw an article that Billy Graham may have posted, or somebody may have posted on his behalf. Um, it, I, I don't. It, it sounds like more like something Franklin would have said. Um, so I'm just. I'm not, I should have fact checked this before I brought it up. But there was an article that said, basically, stop talking smack about your pastors because that's a sin. And I've had people call me on this show and say, stop talking badly about so and so because you're breaking God's heart. And uh, to me. I didn't see the justification for that. Is there is there anything that we should be aware of before we bring up bully pastors' names? Uh, David, how about you? You're you're a theologian. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the the whole uh, Billy Graham and Franklin Graham thing. Uh, it's interesting. Even the latest book that Billy Graham came out with, um, there there's actually speculation that he didn't write it, especially the last chapter or whatever, because it has more of Franklin's tone. And, um, that sounds anyway. like that sounds like the same conversation we have about the Book of Revelation. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's interesting because it is about control. Uh, I think Jim's right. There's so much pressure on pastors and churches to perform, um, but also uh, I I I, would, I often wonder what who what kind of person is attracted to the ministry in the first place, and um, you know. So I think there's a lot of that involved too, where. The ministry is a perfect, um, you know, culture for uh, controlling people or trying to. So mm-hmm. I think that's why well, bullying and especially, is so David, especially the way the ministry is, we've come to understand what we reference, we all know what mean by the ministry. It's basically a speaking point. It starts with that, and because of that, it attracts people. It's not really making disciples. I mean, you know, people can do that all the time and not have to stand up and talk. Once you yeah. once you make the focal points of talking, it attracts people who are drawn to that kind of thing, you know. And I think that that's part of the systemic problem. That yeah. uh, why you know when I drew one of the things that's interesting, and I wrote this book question mark about Mark Driscoll and sort of his rise and fall. Uh, we did a survey of people and said, do you think that 
there's actually an increase in the number of bullies or an increase in awareness. And they said there's an increase in awareness. Hmm. So people, people generally felt like bullies have been around. All that's happening is that we're, we're more aware of them now. And, and it's even, and they also said it's even a bigger problem because of that, because now people are aware this was going on. So they're cognizant of it. It was really interesting. Okay, we're on the phone with Jim Henderson and uh, David Hayward talking about spiritual leaders and why, why I guess maybe per capita might be a better way to say this, but or per expectations, uh, why there seems to be so many uh, pastors or, or, you know, and I guess the three of us are talking specifically about the church. You know, it would be interesting to know. And I, I just heard from someone who has been on our show before, I just realized I can't say her name, who who let me know that she was involved uh, with a, a certain spiritual group and turned out that the, spirit, the spiritual leader of this group was also very abusive and very controlling. And so, like, first of all, spiritual leader, there's a little oxymoron there for me. Um, because if I understand the Jesus stuff, as I think I understand it, is is not Jesus going on about... Be small, and then you'll be big. Uh, uh, serve yeah. others, and then you—that's that's how you become, uh, you know, a big deal. Am I am I missing something here, uh, uh, David? What do you think? Well, you know, this has been um, my struggle throughout my ministry. Is when you uh, try to copy the model that uh, is presented in the in the Gospels with Jesus, uh, it it it's not very successful. So it just doesn't yield results, and I, that's just the way it is, and I think people intuitively know that. If you just keep giving, giving away, um, and serving, 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 then you're not going to be in the limelight, you're not going to become a hero, mm-hmm. you're not going to, you know, get a huge speaking tour, et cetera. So, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Jim Henderson, um, d- do you think that... Uh, churches require a charismatic leader? Because i got to say, I know, and I'm looking at Tim the Tool oh, across yeah. the board here, Tim and I both know uh, good people. Turn the mics off for a second. I want to say their names. All right. Uh, okay, so we know these people who are just fantastic human beings. Oh, yeah. Really warm-hearted. But when they preach, you want to gouge your eye out with a spoon because yes. it is just ridiculously boring. So um, <laughs> should yep. churches hire charismatic speakers? As as leaders, is there something wrong with that? Are we just, you know, because the number one thing that people say about church is it's boring. And most preachers are, I'm sorry to say, are ridiculously horrible communicators. And so if you get someone who's charismatic, then you've got a good a good preacher, but then you got to worry about about the other stuff that comes along with that personality. Don't you think, Jim? Yeah, yeah, you can get bullies showing up that are boring as well, people, once you, because the... The, the the magic drug seems to be access to power, and uh, when we get uh, drawn in by that, um, I think that it's, it's an interesting question, Drew, and it's something again that I tried to address in the book about the, sort of the systemic design of church requires and attracts people that are basically motivational speakers, and we just assume that as uh, the, you know what it is because the way church has been designed. It's passive, it's consumeristic, we go there, and we, what are you going to do when you hear somebody talk all the time? You're going to judge them after a while, like, they did a good job, bad job, good job, bad job. And uh, and I think that as long as the church is designed so that preaching is the center point of it, it's problematic as to, you know, the, you know, the, the, uh, satisfying that, scratching that itch. And 
And so when that's going on, you know, you're going to attract people who, again, uh, you know, are either either they're, it's dormant or it's active, but they know they want to control larger, larger people, larger numbers of people. So I, I think that it really gets to the question of what is, how is church, you know, what would be a better design, you know, and I would argue, uh, you know, basically we do church too much. And if we didn't do church as often as we do, we wouldn't require those people. And we require other kinds of people who have different gifts, more along the lines of David's referring to, to help people actually grow. But that's so. That's the other thing that I'm curious about is trying to mess with the system and tweak it so that what would happen if we didn't require, you know, a public speaker as much as we do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a segue into our next topic. But just before we go there, let me ask you this, guys, because I've I've not been in spiritual leadership for a very long time. Hence, the reason, the only reason I'm still doing a show because this is not a ministry. Let me tell you. Um, I have forgotten about the this, this scriptures that say, don't hold your preachers accountable. Uh, can you tell me that verse, please? Can you tell me a verse that would suggest that we not hold our preachers accountable, that we not speak poorly of them? David? Well, you, you, thou shalt not touch God's anointed. Right. That's, that's the one that was always used on me. If I expressed concern or, you know... Uh, wanted to offer my perspective or had questions or whatever, uh, That's that was a verse that was often um, given to me, was that you don't touch God's anointed, that they're beyond, beyond they're untouchable. Okay, Jim? Well, with anybody hearing that, of course, they were crazy for putting up with that kind of behavior. You know, of course, there's scriptures in the book of Hebrews, particularly in Timothy, that, that imply that you should respect those and give them double honor and all of that. So, so Paul, particularly as he was writing to Timothy, and whoever wrote Hebrews was trying to reinforce the notion of leadership, as you know, as it relates to those churches. And people have taken those verses, and then of course taken them to market. And pastors, particularly, you know, have have become very good about submitting to those in authority over you, etc. So all of that, uh, including the, the 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 one that the famous one that David quotes, "I shall not touch the Lord's anointed" out of the Old Testament. Is has, has been the reinforcing practices, but if you take the larger macro message of Jesus, which is you know if you lose your life, you find it, you start to like everybody. Then becomes like accountable to everybody, and our lives are actually because in the context of relationship, we're we're you know we're assessing the the value of each other's lives just in the context of relationships. So leaders are not you know. Uh, outside of that, and when they start, when they start talking about it too much, it means they're insecure and they, they want to control. Uh, we're on the phone with Jim Henderson. Uh, here's a website for him that you may want to go to. It's oamchurch.com. That's once a month church.com. And David Hayward, he is uh, known as the Naked Pastor. If you throw that into Google, hopefully it'll take you to the right website. Nakedpastor.com <laughs> is also where you want to go to. Uh, he has just released a book called Questions Are the Answer Naked Pastor in the Search for Understanding. We're going to talk about questions in just a minute. But, guys, the second topic would you go to church if it only met once a month? Uh, Jim, the concept for this question came out of the once-a-month church that you started. I don't know of any once-a-month churches other than this one. Is this the first one ever? <laughs> that idea doesn't exist. <laughs> There's never something that starts all by itself. Right. It's usually things going on people haven't talked to each other yet. So 
Uh, no, I, I, I've seen the phrase uh, played with a little bit. I think it's probably the first time that that the words have been put together in that way so uh, overtly. And that was done intentionally and after basically five years of thought. Uh, and so it's, you know, it's, it's certainly... So it's certainly the first one I've tried, and I don't think anyone else is using the language. However, I will say right now, within a year or two, you'll see it in a lot of places, in a lot of surprising places. Okay, so what's help us understand the concept of once a month church. Obviously, you meet once a month. What else? Uh, the leaders are not paid. The parts that are provocative and interesting, the leaders are not paid. We don't offer tax write-offs. We're not legally a church. We're, we, we jokingly say, and it's true, we're a church in name only. Um, we um, focus, uh, you know, basically like all of us now, we operate, our connections are happening online, but, but it's to promote face-to-face groups. Uh, in our particular case, we intend to limit the church size, uh, both in person and online, in terms of the people we manage to about 150, because that's what sociologists tell us, uh, human beings normally can retain people's names at that size. Um, other than that, it's pretty standard. We just, you know, our intent is to do what most churches say they're going to do and, and, uh, connect people and get people in ad hoc groups, pop-up groups, uh, carpool groups, regular groups, whatever they want to do. Yeah. And, uh, limit just just really limit the role of the uh, the Sunday morning, uh, you know, event and what it's done to our appetite for spirituality. Okay, there's got to be something wrong with this concept. Otherwise, somebody would have launched it before a long time ago, and it would be the hit that I think it's going to be already. So what's wrong with this concept? What's Tim, you're a good forward thinker in this kind of th- How do you see this falling on its face, or, or is it is it against the Bible? No, Are no. we supposed to meet every week, Tim? It doesn't say that. I don't think we're supposed to meet, but it doesn't say we have to meet every week. I don't think. At least that's the part I skipped. Maybe I didn't read it. Yeah, you um, I mean, for me, I mean, all of that sounds great. The one thing that I kind of held back on is is the not paying. I've done a lot of volunteer. Pay your leaders well. The Bible no, says no, no, pay no, no, your no, leaders no, no, well. No, that's not what I'm oh, saying. Okay. I'm, I'm, I did a lot of volunteer. I used to lead worship, and it's, it's a lot of hard work. Not once a month. Uh, a couple of times a month. No, Thank but if you're just you. doing what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is, um, the other part of this that I'm interested in is, you know, maybe we don't do tradition church in the traditional way, like sit down and listen to a pastor, but maybe there's ways to meet together, you know, frequently or, you know, still once a month. It isn't church, church. Yeah, but it's still called the pub. Yeah, but maybe that's what we apply and, and, and people can think of that. I don't know. Just some of the things I thought of. Well, let's go to our resident theologian, David Hayward. Uh, David, um, I, I'm so I'm so painting you in this corner today. Is is there not a verse, David, that, that in the Bible where God wants us to meet once a week? As a group, well, I don't, I don't know about it. If there is, could be apocryphal, maybe. But like, uh, I, I, if I could just mention my, I run an online community called the Lasting Supper, and uh, a couple of years ago, we have about four hundred members at this point. Um, we have a very active Facebook group and everything like that. And I did a survey a couple of years ago, where uh, we discovered that over eighty percent of the people have left church and um, never intend to go back. And and mm-hmm. it, in almost in all cases, it's not because of you know they, they were bored or you know mm-hmm. it exciting enough or wasn't modern enough or they met too often or not enough or whatever. It's because they could no longer live inside of that box, or they mm-hmm. could no longer live under that you know heavy hand of control or whatever. So 
it's uh, I think that it's a huge problem. I, I'm, I know Jim knows this because I, I see him talking about it a lot on on Facebook and whatever. It's not just uh, frequency. Uh, it's quality. It's you know all kinds of things yeah. are going on, and and this I'm sure he's just testing to see if this might be one solution on the way to understanding what's going on. It's not the total solution, obviously, but mm-hmm. uh, you know. So I, I think uh, I think that it's a massive global problem that's seeping right through the whole network of the church, and uh, you know I think we need to hurry up and open our eyes and really ask ourselves the tough questions: what's really, really going on? And, uh, you know, work from the foundation up. Right. So I think it's a very systemic issue that's deeply embedded in its roots and DNA that's become habitual over centuries. And it's going to take a lot of courage mm-hmm. and uh, risk to make changes. And that's why it's not happening fast enough. Um, okay, Jim, uh, are you sure that you're not doing something displeasing to the Lord by only having a once a month church? Well, I don't even think about Jesus that way anymore. I, <laughs> it's just, it's not, I, I don't have any sort of anxiety about that. I know I'm displeasing uh, religious professionals. Uh, I know I'm displeasing, you know, traditionalists and institutionalists. But I know I, I have no question. There's no biblical, uh, no no one with with any biblical, uh, you know, rationale could, could dispute how often. The, the dilemma is really... You know, you're, you're eliminating the money. Whenever you, the, the the issue for me, Drew, is not a spiritual issue. It's a it's really a social issue. It's a cultural issue, and that is people no long do not have the same amount of time available that they used to to spend on meaning, and I call it psychic time. So, so psychic time is when when I decide I'm going to spend time to go to church or do something meaningful. And people are just more sophisticated now about where they're going to spend that time. They don't need to. They can get preaching and music online. Uh, and so, and the other thing I want to say is that to the issue of uh, the the idea of what I call soft soft system, hard system changes. You know, so many times we, you know, try and improve the parking lot, the kids program, the worship service, et cetera, uh, all that, and we just don't touch the one thing that is at the center of this, and that's money. So the hard system change is when you stop. You, the system no longer requires a professional. Uh, there's no evidence in Scripture that Jesus ever intended for the Church to emerge in the f- form that it is. We've inherited, like David said, after centuries. Right. And uh, so here we are talking about it, and of course it sounds arrogant, but somebody's got to talk about it. Yeah. And it is an experiment, by the way. That's how we view this. Good, good. Uh, Tim, your eyes are busting. What do no, you want? No, no, isn't that they're busting. I guess part of what I'm trying to maybe what I'm struggling with with this uh, not paying anybody is, you know, I'm an artist uh, in the past and you do a lot of hard work and if people just listen to your music, you know, get paid for it, it it's hard to keep doing. And I think that there is an element, like I know you mentioned, and this isn't like a rah, rah, rah thing, but I yes, know you mentioned, is. you know, listening to podcasts of preachers. Will this group of people pay that person for the right of having to listen to them? I, I, I had even leading worship for once a month. It's a lot of work. A lot of preparation, and and it's it's not easy. And I don't think that you'd have to be paid millions like you know Benny Hinn, but someone you know there should be maybe some compensation. I don't know. That's the one thing I'm sort of struggling okay, with. So, in so this. let me. Jim? I'm a musician, and I and I church planted, and I pastored for 25 years, and and I led worship and all that stuff. And um, were you volunteering well, when I you did it, or were you paid? 
I was I was doing it both half and half. I've never been fully paid for what I do because I experiment too much. Okay. And so I've always worked as a painting contractor, which is what I'm doing today. And uh, that's how I support myself. And most people are working jobs, and then we ask them to volunteer. Uh, I think we've built a system that, you know, requires professionals. Uh, and I don't mind people getting paid. I particularly don't mind people getting what I call respect money. Uh, but I do not view it as a, uh, you know, if you're an artist, uh, I, I, frankly, I think pastors have, have designed their uh, lifestyles more around uh, doctors and lawyers than it should be around artists and musicians, most of whom have day jobs. Most artists and musicians have day jobs. Oh, yeah. So that's all. I'm just, I'm just experimenting with this. Okay. You know. And I, and uh, like I said, I'm not, I'm not criticizing. I yes, love the right. idea. I'm just wondering how. You're critical. Too. When someone who does work on something, if how they would, and I think that you know, respect money is a, a good lot idea. To say about that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, all right, guys, we're running out of time. I want to jump to topic number three. Uh, why, why does doubt and asking the wrong questions not go over so well in religious institutions, especially for someone like David Hayward? David. Yeah, well, it's because there's a status quo that has to be maintained. That's just basically it. I mean, we, uh, you know, it's it's like uh, the student challenging the teacher in the classroom, or the child challenging the parent, or the you know member challenging the pastor. It's it's or the status quo. It's uh, it's unsettling. It it shakes the apple cart and rocks the boat. So, but isn't it interesting that the very the very uh, being at the center of, and again, we're talking from a Christian experience, a church experience, the, the very person at the center of, of Christendom was basically killed for questioning everything. Yeah, he, he was great at uh, asking questions. In fact, he answered most questions with a question. So um, I think it's, yeah, I think it's... Uh... You should draw a cartoon about that, David. <laughs> I think I probably have. Yes, it's on page 94 oh, in David's book called Questions Are the fun. Answer. Uh, naked <laughs> Pastor in the Search for Everything, David Hayward. David, what? I mean, really, what's, you know, if you were to yeah. summarize this book for people uh, to to, uh, to excite them and sell the book, but no, really, what's, I mean, how do you summarize the book? Well, I, I, I uh, journey uh, with people through basically three stages that I went through in my personal story, so I share my story a little bit with cartoons, uh, through three stages of questioning. First, there's uh, closed questions, where it's a yes or no answer. It's all certainty, no, you know, no doubt. The second stage is swinging questions, where it's uh, yes or no, you're not sure. There's gray introduced into the program. And then the third step is open questions, where you're open to whatever answer comes. You are welcoming to mystery and uh, and... Yeah, so that those that's basically the story of the book. I, I carry people through those three stages of questioning. I want to and, and the benefit of it. I want to show uh, want to show Tim one of the cartoons. It's so hard to talk about your book on the radio because the cartoons are just absolutely fantastic. How do you explain you. that cartoon to our listeners, Tim? Yeah, that one. Yeah. Um, Where, first, get it yourself. Yeah, just I get it. Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, right. Because you know, you you've always talked about how you you appreciate the rabbis better because they ask questions. Yeah. So you grow up in the in the in the synagogues, and the rabbis' job description is to walk along the, their congregation, like walk along with them, and ask the same questions and question with them. The evangelical Christian scene was all about the preacher having the answers, and so you have a congregation of people who believe that the way they should live out their faith is by having answers. You see the difference, Tim? Yeah, and and this is funny because you know. We, we talked about, and I know it was mentioned, is the status quo was one of the reasons we're uncomfortable, is the people who are in power don't like to be questioned. But I think the other half of it is the people who are 
learning or the, in the congregation don't like to be questioned or don't like to not have the answers given to them. They don't and want this to think, is, think, and this is what happened to my, my church. And give me the answer. This is what happened to Absolutely. my church. I'm convinced that our pastor was pushed out because he asked questions. Yep. And people didn't like don't it. Bring, don't bring up your yep. own baggage on oh, my show. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> Which cartoon were you looking at there? Oh, Drew? yeah, we should probably share that, you meathead. That's why I said... Talk about the oh, cartoon. Oh, it was, it was, it was, uh, I'm it's assuming on, like a, a Jesus looking figure. Tim's sucking at Very explaining things. Temple of Love. It's on page 93, and the first section is Jesus surrounded by his disciples, and there's a thought bubble box, no, a speaking bubble box, where Jesus has, it just says question, question mark, question mark, question mark, mark. And all the listeners are going question, question mark, question mark, question mark. And then in the bottom frame, it's a angry preacher in a suit with a Bible in his hand going exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. And all the congregants are going in their heads exclamation mark exclamation mark exclamation mark thank you very much we just sold your book man yeah man you rock great job great job well okay guys you know gee the three of us could just like have a men's retreat i i could i could come (laughs) along too Say three because I think there's four of us. Oh, there is four. Yeah, yeah. I, did, I actually didn't include Thank two. That. I appreciate that, gentlemen. That's usually how it is. <laughs> oh man! No, we should start our own notorious sinners club. Ain't hey, didn't uh, Compolo and Yacanelli, uh, Brennan Manning? They had the uh, notorious sinners club. I think it might have been Yacanelli and uh, and Brennan Manning. Anyway, that sounds right. Yeah, guys. Cool. Uh, you know, we only touched on a few things, and I know you're probably busting with with something else to say. So let me just ask you real quick for your own closers on anything we talked about today. We'll start with Jim Henderson. Jim, a closing thought from you. Again, go to oamchurch.com to find out more about the once-a-month church. Uh, Jim Henderson? David Hayward's stuff is beautiful. A picture's worth a thousand words. You should get his cartoon. Oh, now, David, you have to say something nice about Henderson. What is this? (laughs) No, I think you should get the book, Questions Heart. No, I'm only (laughs) (laughs) Well done. It's really nice to meet you, Jim, and... uh, all the best with your efforts with OIM. Like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm experimenting as well. It's been going on for a few yeah. years, and I hope, uh, I hope your experiment works. Yeah. I think, I think we need more experiments like this to see what we can do oh, to serve yeah. people. Uh, you guys are, I'm thrilled that you're both experimenting. I'm doing the same thing with my show, except mine involves <laughs> ayahuasca. So you know. Just kidding. Tim, you don't even know what ayahuasca is? No. What the heck is that? It's that crushed up root that people hallucinate on oh, yeah, after we have they get the squirts. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Okay. Gentlemen, Jim hey, uh, Jim Hayward and, and David Henson, Henderson, thank you very much yep. for joining us both. Thanks yep. very much for having us. It's an honor. Okay, guys. We'll talk soon. We'll follow up somehow, yeah. sometime. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Is a burning thing. <laughs> Speaking of ayahuasca. <laughs> oh, I was just thinking, you know, we're all falling in the ring of fire here, but he's accusing us of not, you know, whatever. Fire, the ring of fire.